0: I came to this church when I was invited to the Christmas party that they have through the um, Community Enrichment Center, and um, me and my daughter were invited. She brought home a little invitation from her school. She attends the academy at Carey F. Thomas, and while the kids were playing and doing the things that they were doing, I was talking to another mom, and she was telling me that they had a single-parent family group that attended here. I was just going through a lot of difficult times in my life at that time, um, and I was getting away from God and any other church that I've been to I really didn't um, I, I don't know it just it just wasn't the same experience and the minute that I came into this church, I just felt like God was here and everybody was accepting and um, that this is what church is supposed to be like. It's just a family from the very start. I knew no one, no one knew me, but it felt like a family and then I was accepted. My daughter loved it from the time from the, um, from the Christmas party and she has enjoyed every class and everything that they have for kids here and she loves she loves it. she loves coming. I think that all of it, you know everything that happened in my life for the last year, um, starting exactly from this moment last year, it just all came together for me to get the little note and me to be all skeptical about it and everything, and then to come, and then it just, it's been wonderful. Great.
1: Good morning and I send greetings to all that are watching around the world live streaming right now on the internet. Uh, You can tell there's a lot going on at this church right now. I'm excited about uh, the Faith in Action weekend as we go all over the city. Letting the city know what Christians are for not just what we're against. I'm excited ladies about your conference coming up in two weeks. I had the privilege of speaking at something called the Tulsa Soul Winning Workshop two years ago. And everybody was buzzing about this class taught by a woman named Liz Pence from Michigan. So I ordered the CDs and I soon found out why. She is amazing. She's not just one of the best ladies teachers I've ever heard. She's one of the best teachers I've ever heard. And she's going to be here in two weeks. You don't want to miss that conference. And then, of course, we're having this Greater Things campaign. We're making more room for people just like Leslie to be a part of what God is doing in this place. And I see this campaign as a season for us to grow in faith, in love, and today I want to talk about joy. I heard a story of a soldier on a base that was acting very peculiar. He would wander around the base picking up trash. He'd grab a piece of paper and he'd look at it and shake his head and say, this isn't it. He'd grab some more trash and shake his head, that's not it. And so they sent him to the base psychologist who'd... Determined that he was not stable and needed to discharge. So they gave him the paperwork for his medical discharge and as he was walking off the base he shook his head and said, this is it. <laughs> Can you recall the joy that you felt when you finally found something you really, really wanted to find? Now, maybe it was your car keys or your cell phone. Maybe it was that Perfect house or the dress that you were looking for for your daughter's wedding. Maybe it was the the putter that you've been needing to fix your game. Because there's always a putter that will fix your game. It's never your fault, right? Well, we know what that's like. And Jesus calls on that emotion and says, That's how it should feel when you have your first real encounter with the rain of God. He tells this one verse little parable that's so powerful. Matthew 13. Look at it with me. He says the kingdom of heaven. Now we're talking about that. The rule of God. The fact that right now your life could come under and into what it's like to live in the dominion of God. To be reigned over and ruled over by God. Now he says that is like treasure. Treasure. Hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had. And bought that field. You see, Jesus doesn't see any conflict between the notion of joy and sacrifice. Now we tend to separate the two. If you give up or lose everything you have, you're supposed to be sad. But in this story, the man willingly, gladly sells everything he has. Because there's something worth more to him. In fact, one version says the finder is ecstatic. And that's a kind of joy everybody seems to be looking for. But not many people seem to find. And I think I know why. I think I know why joy is so fleeting in our culture. I think Jesus taught that joy is lost when I try to find it in what cannot last. There's a reason that we live in such an uptight, stressed out, over-anxious culture. Jesus says, you are trying to find happiness in what can be stolen, get rushed, Or become moth food. And if that's the aim of your life, you are constantly worried today because tomorrow is a threat. Tomorrow it could get stolen. Tomorrow it could get rusty. Tomorrow the moths could take it away. And so you've got to constantly be stressed today because you can't control tomorrow. All you're worrying doesn't change tomorrow, it just ruins today. Because Jesus says, lasting joy will never be found in things that don't last. One of my favorite uh, preachers is a man named Ben Merrill. He's in his 80s now, preached all the way up into his 80s. Uh, and he tells a story a few years ago in his 70s. He's in California with his wife and they're driving down a really busy street and in fr- In front of them is a pickup, and there seems to be a lot of older furniture in the back of the pickup. And they hit a bump, and it seems like a bunch of table legs fall out of that pickup. His wife pulls the car over to the side, says, Hop out and pick that stuff up, and I'll go catch them and tell them they've lost some of their furniture. She just takes off. So there he is. It's a very hot day. It's a very busy street. Here's this old man, weaving in and out of traffic, trying to gather up these table legs. He's sweating, he's dodging cars, he makes it finally to the side of the road, waits and waits and waits, and finally his wife pulls up, and he says, well, are we going to take this to them? She says, no, nah, they were just hauling all that stuff to the dump. <laughs> okay, question. Why do we allow our joy to be so affected by future landfills? Because that's what all that stuff is. It's future landfill. A few years ago, after having the same car for a long, long time, I got a new car. It wasn't a new car, but it was new to me, and I was very excited about it. Took it home on a Friday night. Saturday morning, we got up our family tradition to go out for breakfast. And I'm backing the car out of the garage and didn't notice that my garage door didn't go all the way up. And I heard this terrible sound. And the back of the car hit the back of that door and scraped paint. And I was so frustrated. I had wanted another car for so many years and now I got it. And the very first day, the paint's messed up. And so all morning at breakfast, I'm in a bad mood. And about halfway through breakfast, I feel like the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, how many more years do you have your kids at home? How many more times do they even want to go out to breakfast with their dad? And you're missing the moment. Over something that's going to be in a junkyard someday. Why do we let our joy get so affected by future landfill? Your joy tank is always going to leak. If you focus more on the external than the eternal. So Jesus says... You need to make the kingdom of God your primary concern. Want the kingdom more than anything else. Not one time does Jesus ever help anybody by giving them more stuff. But he does seem to dispense a lot of joy. Look at the verse one more time from a different translation. Let this sink in for a minute. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. And one day a man found that treasure. And then he hid it in the field again. And he was so happy that he went and sold everything he owned to buy that thing what's Jesus teaching us about joy? Three things. Here's first: that You need to learn to judge the true worth of your life's quest. Because it's very possible that you're searching for something that's not going to prove worthy of the investment. Now we know the feeling of looking and looking for something and how we feel joy when we find it. But we also know what it's like to put all our hopes in something and we finally get it and it doesn't deliver. You know probably that 20 million people live in New York City. Maybe you didn't know, so do 20 million cats and dogs. Now what do you do in New York City if your pet dies? In a city of concrete and steel, you can't go out in the backyard and bury your pet. So the city offers a service. They provide a number, you can call it, for $50, they will come and get the carcass of your pet and dispose of it. Well, this enterprising woman came up with a new plan. She put in the paper her phone number and said, I'll come get your pet for $25. So people would call. She would go by Salvation Army or Goodwill, buy an old suitcase for a buck, go by and get the animal, put it in the suitcase, go sit on the subway, set it down, turn her back. Within an hour, somebody would steal the suitcase. <laughs> and my guess is they got a pretty big surprise. Surprise. Because what they thought would be treasure Didn't prove to be worth so much Most people Don't spend their lives Trying to be evil They spend their lives In trivial pursuits Satan's aim for most of you Is not to make you irreligious It's to make you irrelevant To live your life And no difference was made. At all. Now I'm about to lay something heavy on you. It's worth writing down. Your. Life's. Impact. Will. Not. Exceed. The value. Of your life's. Quest. Write that down. Ponder it this week. Your life's impact it will not it cannot exceed the value of your life's quest so what happens if you find out what you chased all your life as treasure it turns out to be a trinket see jesus is asking us to see value in something that's hidden from the eyes of most It's called the kingdom of God. The opportunity, not after you die, but right now, to live embraced in what God is up to in the world. Living your life daily in the flow of His Spirit, ruled by Him, loved by Him. Jesus says it's available right now. Most people don't see it. It's hidden from them. And what Satan wants to do is to get you to depreciate how precious this is. But here's what happens. When you rightly appraise the value of the kingdom of God and it becomes non-negotiable, then Satan suddenly loses all leverage over you. Because nothing he can do now can affect the reality that you are living under the rule of God. So cancer can come and cancer is terrible. But it cannot divorce me from the kingdom of God. And I can lose my job and I wouldn't wish that for anybody. But even unemployment doesn't change the fact that I am under the lordship of God. And my mate will die before me or I'll die before my mate. But either way, one of us will be still living in the kingdom of God. And the stock market might crash. The stock market did crash. And a whole lot of you, like me, have a retirement plan that's worth a whole lot less than it was three years ago. And I've lost this much sleep over it. I'm not going to let that steal my joy. Because I woke up today still in the kingdom of God. See, the kingdom of God, Paul says, it's not about how much you eat or how much you drink. He says it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so when you rightly assess the true value of the kingdom of God, you're going to subordinate all your other allegiances to it. In other words, you're going to treasure God's kingdom more than your treasure and that's important because the second thing you've got to understand that Jesus taught about joy is this if you want joy that lasts you must offer your heart through your treasure Jesus talked about the kingdom of God more than anything else do you know what he talked about second more than anything else beside the kingdom of God money he had to let me explain why several years ago there was a woman in East Lansing, Michigan that went to Florida for vacation she was tired of the cold and she wanted to go down where she could be warm and work on her tan so she checks into a nice hotel and she gets up the next day and she goes up on the roof of this hotel down in Florida to get a tan and she decides to sunbathe She wants to be tan all over. So she just takes off all her clothes and lays down across the roof. Sometime later, the hotel manager comes up on the roof and tells her she needs to put something on. She protests and says, why? I'm not bothering anybody. There's nobody up here to see me. He says, that's true. But I guess you don't realize you are lying across the skylight of the dining room. And I guess maybe she revealed more than she intended. Now here's my point. You reveal more than you realize. By what you do with your money. Jesus taught. Nothing reveals the place of God's rule in your life. Like the place where you put your money. Nothing. He said, Matthew 6, 21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Please look closely at that verse because a lot of you have read it all your life and missed what he said. You think he is saying that wherever your heart goes, that's where your money will go. That's not what he said. He said, wherever your money goes, that's where your heart We'll go. Now, let me illustrate it this way. And I need a volunteer from the audience. And I'm just going to call on Dylan Reed right now. Come up here, Dylan. You don't have to say anything. You just got to stand by me for a second. I I got my wallet in my pocket this morning. I don't usually preach with my wallet because it makes me feel lopsided. But I got it this morning, Dylan. And I'm going to ask you to hold it for me. I got money in here. I got a lot of money in here. You know why? My wife's been in China two weeks. (laughs) We even got some birthday money here. All right. I want you to go sit down and hold my wallet. Okay, only one thing. You've got to hold it up in the air. Hold it up in the air until I tell you to put it down, okay? Just hold it up. I want you to meet my new very best friend, Dylan. You know why he's my new very best friend? Because he's got my money. You see, the location of your treasure doesn't just reveal where your heart is. It actually directs where your heart goes. Your heart goes where your money is. Keep it up. I want to see it. (laughs) Look again at verse 21 from the message. The place where your treasure is, is the place where you will most want to be and end up being. Now Jesus is not saying that you can purchase a relationship with God. What he's saying is that the offer of the kingdom of God, the offer of God to live in his kingdom is so valuable that once you get it, you'd be willing to offer anything to be a part of it. You'd give up anything to enter into it. And once you get this, God gets you. And a lot of people don't get it. Like the rich young ruler that came up to Jesus one day and said, What does it mean? How can I have this kind of a relationship with God? It's simple. Just offer Him everything. Send Him your treasure and He'll get your heart. And the Bible says, and This only happened to my knowledge one time in the Bible. The man left Jesus sadder. Sadder. Most of us don't reject Christ because we want to be evil. But because we want to pursue what's trivial. And a life spent clutching what's worthless will be joyless. So here's the third principle. You need to yield the good for the best. You see, what that man who purchased that field, gave up, wasn't wrong. It wasn't bad. It just wasn't worth what he was trying to get. He could see the value of the treasure hidden from other people's eyes. See, here's Satan's greatest concern. That you will rightly appraise the true value of the kingdom of God. And he loses his leverage and you start... Surrendering your allegiance to all these pseudo kingdoms. You start investing in what brings real joy. But here's the key. This is real important. It's going to require what I call mustard seed vision. If I'm going to invest in the kingdom of God, I'm going to have to see what is hidden To most people. You see, I like to send my money to things I can see. I can see a plasma TV. I can see another car. I can see tickets to a ball game or a vacation. But it takes faith to see the kingdom of God. And that's the real, that's the real question. Will I give God my treasure? Because I can see by faith. My eyes can't see yet. Here's my question. If I tell Dylan to put his hands down, I can't see my money anymore. Is it safe? See, I I know Dylan. I know his parents. I know a good lawyer. (laughs) So Dylan, you can go ahead and put that in your pocket. I'm going to trust you Now, I've got to make the same decision every day about the kingdom of God. I can see TV sets and I can see new shirts and I can see golf clubs. But can I see the single mom over in West Fort Worth who hasn't found a church yet? Can I see the third grader over at Mullendore School... Who wouldn't have had school supplies if we didn't buy them? Can I see a three year old boy playing in the dirt in East Africa who's going to grow up and be a doctor because there's a university not even built yet that he will go to when he graduates? Can I see a couple right now in New York City living together, sleeping off their hangover? That in 10 years they are going to be married and leading a small group Bible study because they found a church that taught them about Jesus. He, Jesus, Jesus said, This kingdom's like a mustard seed. It's a little thing that starts, and most people don't pay much attention to it. But let me tell you something this thing is going to grow, this thing's going to get big. And someday, God is going to reveal to all creation just how huge the kingdom of God is. The question is can you see it now and invest in it? One day everybody's going to see it. But right now, I tell you how you know who gets it. It's because of something they've got. Joy. Look at this picture. The young man's name is Glenn Coffey. In 2008, leading rusher for the University of Alabama. Alabama. 2009, prize draft pick of the San Francisco 49ers, second leading rusher, signed a $2.5 million contract. 2010, left the NFL to enter the ministry. Walked away from $2 million. You know why? He'd tell you looking for joy. Here's his words. True happiness is glorifying God and glorifying Christ. That's what true happiness is. And for me, that wasn't the NFL. It wasn't where I needed to be. Do you want greater joy? It comes from releasing what you cannot keep. To obtain what you cannot lose. You see, sacrifice and joy go together. And I believe it's true not just because Jesus said it, but because Jesus modeled it. In Hebrews chapter 12, the writer says, Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. The author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross. You see, Jesus said the treasure was worth it. He was glad to give everything because the treasure was worth it. And what was the treasure? You. You were the treasure. And so when I go into a world that tempts me to get down because the stock market's depressed, and get upset because my car has a scratch, get bit out of shape because I don't have the coolest new shirt everybody's wearing at school, I need to fix my eyes on Jesus. And remember the joy that lasts will never come trying to grab things that don't. It comes from living in the kingdom of God. So maybe today you need a Jesus fix. Maybe today you need to recalibrate your heart Reexamine your priorities and recommit to a higher allegiance. Not just because it's right, but because it'll make you happy. Let's bow our heads, please. Just take a moment. And just turn eyes upon Jesus. Just look hard at Jesus. And how important is stuff when you have a Jesus fix? Oh God, we live in a world that's suffocated and has come at a high price. Clear our minds, do a work in our hearts. Give us back the witness of a people who have joy because of Jesus. Let's all be standing now and to offer you the greatest invitation of all, the invitation to come and live in the reign of God by confessing Christ, by being baptized into his life, death and resurrection, by following him in the reign of God. Just come down and tell us that's what you want to do while we sing this song.